Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are going super fucking dark and covering Oof. season one, episode three of Homicide for the Holidays. This episode is titled A Christmas Massacre. And it is dark. It is, <laughs> it is we're in the holiday spirit. I most regret. <laughs> it is it is rough. <laughs> So this show can be found on the Oxygen channel, and I watched this episode with ads on the Peacock app for NBC. So it might be a little difficult for our international listeners, but now you know how I feel trying to find season three episodes of Bluey for my kids. So For real. Thanks, Australia, our one listener. <laughs> so let's go over Homicide for the Holidays. First off, I'm pissed I'm just now finding out about this show. I guess that's the downside to not having cable. Seriously, and it is pretty quality material. Like, <laughs> I I like looking at, like, the Reddit forums of, like, whenever a holiday is coming up and people are like, like, you know, what are what are some holiday crimes around this time? Like, I like looking at, like, those kinds of things. Because, like, it's interesting. Like, people tend to snap around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, like, a really good, like, play-by-play of those snapped moments yeah um so it's not a massive show there's only five seasons and they only release three to five episodes a season which start around the first week of december and cover crimes surrounding thanksgiving christmas or new year's the most deadly times of year (laughs) so christmas massacre is the only one i've watched but you best believe i'm gonna binge through them Oh yeah, no, I've I've watched quite a few and I've gotta tell you, like, they have like the same kind of like who'd have thought it's that time of year where you'd value your family. <laughs> it's like, no, it's the no. time of year where people get fed up with their fucking family and they're like, mm, you're especially, gonna die. Especially if you have kids. It's like that and in the summertime. Just whenever your kids are home all the time. Oh yeah. When you're just like Yeah. Like there's gonna be a murder. <laughs> I can't tell you who's gonna be murdered, but it's gonna be a murder. So let's get into this depressing, terrifying shit. Right away, I was glad to hear the smooth sounds of Chris Hansen narrating this. I was constantly waiting for him to ask someone to take a seat, but I had to remind myself this isn't to catch a predator. Also, I really feel like this one should have been like two episodes because there's backstory stuff. So much information that they glossed over. Yeah. And I had read a lot of like, you know, news articles and, like, backstory type stuff on this. So I had, like, an idea going into yeah, it. because I had already known about this story. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had heard of it. Um, and, yeah, again, like, you're right. Like, it could have been multiple episodes. Some because of it was just yada, yada, yada. Yeah, they just kind of, like, glossed it. And they made, they made him seem like a normal dude. And then I'm yeah. just like, wait a minute. This isn't what I heard. Yeah. And then it's like some of the stuff are like, and then those happened, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm like, that's kind of. That's a huge fucking deal. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they could have branched out more on like the perpetrator's background and kind of what led to this. Yeah, like there was a lot more backstory missed. So I was a little shocked to see it was only one episode. We start in the small town of Covina, California, which is a city in the suburbs of Los Angeles. They keep saying it's a small town but i looked it up and the 2010 census says the population was forty-seven thousand. That is not a small town my friend yeah so i, don't, I, don't I feel know. like every one of these 
episodes though they talk about how idyllic the town is i want like one situation where people are like it's a shitty fucking area and i expected <laughs> that's to murder. why i love small town murder <laughs> yeah because they're like it's you know it's we're realistic but every single episode they're like oh it's a wonder place wonderful place to live well, just like they were a really loving couple and it no there's always <laughs> no people describe me as not going to be that bullshit sugar-coated stuff yeah. like no i didn't light up a room like <laughs> not everyone loved me I wasn't a cherished member of society <laughs> let's be real so i i guess maybe it's small town compared to like los angeles yeah like you yeah, know in it's comparison it's, it's a smaller stuff. town i think that's like the population when we were growing up in our town like it's not, and it was not a small town. No. So we go into the Ortega family a little bit, and I'm assuming they're going to be the victims. No, oh, absolutely. <laughs> anytime, anytime they're like lingering on these people, I'm like they're all going to die. And I'm sorry to say, uh, Sal Castillo, who is related to the family, I think it's like the main people's like grandkid. Yeah. Um, he was like one of the daughter's sons. Yeah. He is related to the family. So they say they love Christmas and keep the lights up all year round, which that's fucking tacky. <laughs> they must not live in an HOA. Yeah. I was like, okay, we get it. They Christmas is their jam, but that's really tacky. <laughs> You're going to get a fine, okay? <laughs> God, Barbara. December 24th, 2008, Joe Ortega, what do they call him? Papa Joe through mm-hmm. the whole thing, which annoyed the fuck out of yeah, me. Yeah, Papa Joe. <laughs> Joe Ortega is the patriarch of this family. He's 80 years old and married to his wife of 53 years, 70-year-old Alice Ortega. Joe was the son of a Mexican, was the son of Mexican immigrants and the first of his family to be born in the United States and went on to own an industrial paint business. So at this point, he's just kicking back, enjoying retirement. As he should. Yeah. 80? Yeah. Yeah, you earned it. Uh, Every year, they have a giant Christmas Eve party with the family. They hang out all day together and then gather around the table for dinner, which sounds... It's a long day. I don't... I would need a lot of Xanax to get through (laughs) that. They have five grown children there with their families, so... There's a lot of people in this that, house. Like, just five children alone, like, without, you know, including grandkids. That's a lot of people for me. Like, that yeah. would be overwhelming. Yeah. these five. So, it's these two, five grown kids, their spouses, and then those kids, and it's... Too many people. It's a lot of people. Um, so, I think I read 25 people total were in this house. Uh, by the way, the kids' names are James, Charles, Leticia, Alicia, and Sylvia a lot of uh uh yeah i can't remember if he was sylvia or leticia's daughter or son sorry yeah i don't remember um i really had a problem with everyone still hanging out at 11 25 like the party wasn't settling down (laughs) it's time to put the kids to bed guys (laughs) this is why i don't have parties at my house it gets that late like I know we record late, but that's because we got kids and schedules to deal with. But 11.25 is late. And, like, we could roll up and be, like, in pajamas, and it's, like, no big deal. We're like, I don't have to, like, try. And, yeah. Yeah. We, we are pretty intoxicated. We um, get fancy by putting on bras. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if we feel like it does. That's, that's living large for us. Um, so, yeah. It's definitely, that's, it's already, like, rolling out late and just... 
I'm, I'm like the person that's got the sign that's like, please leave by nine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 11.25. Everyone's still having fun until the doorbell rings. Leticia's eight-year-old daughter answers the door, and I hope you had the same reaction that I did. Yeah, like, what the fuck? My Why kids are kid trained, like, the door? you answer the door, someone could steal you. If you hear that doorbell, you shut the fuck up, turn the lights off. <laughs> You act like nobody's home. We are not home. Do not make a noise. Do not (laughs) let anyone know that I should be answering the door. (laughs) So she answers the door to find Santa standing there. And Santa's not there to hand out gifts. No, he's there to fuck shit up. He just starts fucking blasting from two 9mm semi-automatic handguns. And the 8-year-old that answered the door takes a bullet to the fucking face. Which, like, that's the most, like, that is super fucked up. Like... She is eight. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Santa's here. Bam. Shot in the face. Like, what the fuck? You have to be a real fucking sick person. It's not like Starsky and Hutch for that one kid. Had like ninja knives, ninja knife throwing skills and stuff. Like, no. No, this this is like a sweet little eight-year-old girl. (laughs) Just like excited because Santa's at the door. But also like she's answering the door at like 1130 at night. Again. And she's eight. (laughs) We have that problem, but... She's not a threat. No, and he just, like, shoots her in the face. It's, like, super fucked up. So 911 starts to receive calls about a fire at the Ortega home and respond to just absolute chaos. It's a huge fire. It took it 80 is... firefighters to deal with this. Yeah, it's not a normal home fire. No. 80. That's crazy. Uh, first responders get there and are able to get into contact with 16 people who have been in the house, which leaves nine people unaccounted for. So out of the seven main Ortega family members, Leticia is the only one they find to talk to, which that's so horrible. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge family and everyone's missing. Just out of, yeah, the two main people, there are five kids and only one of them gets out of there. But um, Leticia can't stay to talk to the police because she has to take her daughter to the hospital who is still alive. After getting shot in the face. Yeah, she's just basically like, I've got to go to the hospital. Like, I can't, you can't, like, I'm not doing any questioning. Yeah. Like, I've got to go to the hospital. Which, like, same. Like, if my child <laughs> yeah. was being rushed to the hospital, like, fuck the police. Like, yeah. I'm going to go with my kid. Talking to other witnesses, they find out that someone dressed as Santa entered the house and begins shooting, and they don't have a suspect. Until they talk to the nosy neighbor who remembers seeing a blue Dodge Caliber driving at a high rate of speed with the headlights off. Which sus suspicious. Cops have a feeling this isn't an ordinary fire because fire trucks were on scene very quickly and this is a huge inferno, so clearly accelerant was used. At three ten the same night in Silmar, Colorado. Colorado. It's a nice hybrid state. <laughs> At 3.10 the same night in Silmar, California, which is about 30 miles away from the Covina scene, Brad Pardo arrives home to find his front door unlocked. He steps in and finds his 45-year-old brother, Bruce, in a pool of blood. Not a nice Christmas present. No. In your own home. (laughs) I would be really upset by that. Yeah. Now I gotta clean that. And it's Christmas. Like, what the fuck? I don't want to clean up blood on my Christmas day. You're on my couch, bro. Now I gotta throw that out. I gotta buy a new couch. You know how expensive couches are? I'm not getting that from Santa. No. Santa didn't buy me a new couch. The cops show up and find a gun in Bruce's lap. And more than one shell casing, which, you know, not typical with the suicide. Yeah, they're like, "Mm, he 
and shoot himself twice. Like when someone gets stabbed with a knife or an axe or something. <laughs> I, I stabbed myself. Yeah, I think it was suicide. He <laughs> stabbed himself six times in the back, but it was definitely suicide. So back at the first scene, it's Christmas morning, and I'm sure there's a lot of people angry about missing out on Christmas to work this crime scene. That can't be fun. No, but props to them. I don't think they're going the John Bonet Ramsey route and just sending like the B team in. No, you need the A team for this <laughs> shit. It's like nine people missing and a fucking huge house fire that decimates the place. They need the A team. They start pulling out bodies, and due to the intensity of the fire, identification has to be done with x-rays and dental records. So we have Alice, Joe, Charles, his wife, Sherry Lynn, James, his wife, Teresa, Sylvia, Alicia, and her 17-year-old son, Michael. It's sad a 17-year-old died. It's such a nightmare. Um, At least 13 children were orphaned after the massacre, and two others lost one parent yeah like the fact that like so many children were just completely like they lost both parental figures yeah and not just like both parental figures but like aunts and uncles so like that leaves i mean did this one aunt take in all 13 children i just i have questions about how like how do you move on from this yeah we also have that eight-year-old that was shot along with a 16-year-old girl who was shot and wounded in the back and a 20-year-old who broke her ankle leaping from a second-floor window to escape the fire. I think we can all agree, bad Christmas. Not the best. No. So back to um, Brad. Although, is it worse than your dad farting in your face? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Worst Christmas ever. (laughs) Your kid's so dramatic. Back to Brad and Silmar. He's adamant that his brother had to have been murdered. Yeah, he was, like, doing great. Why would he kill himself? So police start to look into Bruce's background and discover he's just this nerdy dude who worked at Jet Propulsion Laboratory. They're involved with space stuff for NASA. He doesn't have a criminal background, but, oh, he was recently married to Sylvia. Da, da, da. fact their divorce had just been settled the week before on december 17th she had been previously married and she had three children from that relationship so her and bruce met in 2004 and on this show it says they got married in 2005 but i read elsewhere it was january 2006 so mm. somewhere i don't know and I get very confused by the show. They made it seem like <clears throat> this relationship just kind of fell apart because Bruce had knee surgery and just became lazy, so they didn't get along anymore. But no, it was Does it was that much just lead yeah, to a they, divorce. Well, they made it seem like he was like this great guy, and then just you know he got lazy and fat and gained some weight or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not how it happened at no. all. Like, that's no it wasn't like she just got tired of him like being because that just makes her look bad yeah and it wasn't that it wasn't that at all i i had read elsewhere that the relationship started to fall apart because bruce refused to have a shared bank account he wanted sylvia to have her own account and to take care of her kids with her own money yeah which like you don't marry a woman with three kids if you don't have any intention of like being part of those three kids lives money stuff needs to be decided before you get married like that's 
that's huge. But even bigger than that. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> even even bigger than that. <clears throat> but that's still, that's not a great way to start a marriage. Mm-mm. Regardless, cops are finally starting to connect the two cases and worry there may be a shooter out there targeting the Ortega family. And according to this show, they need to watch endless footage of that house burning to work this case because they rely on that footage a lot. There was a lot of house burning They footage. showed it like 10 times. At least. I mean, it was a lot. It was dramatic, but you don't need to see it that many times. <laughs> like, it's the same outcome. Uh, we do learn, though, that this wasn't uncommon for a hired Santa to make a visit to the Ortega house every year for their party. Uh, I guess it makes sense to answer for the kid to answer the door, but I'm still uncomfortable by it. I'm confused, like, because the Santa moved away. So, like, who yeah, did they we'll get to did that. they think that like I Santa... don't think they were paying attention, which is even worse. Like, yeah, an eight year old just opened the door. Yeah, at eleven thirty at night. Also, why are you having somebody come to your house at like close to midnight? That's either drugs or. <laughs> Not them, but, like, you know. It just is weird. Like, why would you ask somebody to do you this favor that's that late at night? I, I don't know. I'm in my pajamas by then. <clears throat> yeah. So, usually it was their neighbor, Pat, who would stop by to hang out with the kids. But it couldn't possibly be him because he had moved away. And Chris Hansen says this was such a dramatic pause. There were a lot of dramatic pauses. Because he had moved away. Like, <laughs> okay, that's... But the family would know that, so they'd be like, "Okay, well, obviously our neighbor's not coming yeah, for they Santa." They said he had moved away like a couple years before. So this poor Pat dude, he's just doing a neighbor a solid by dressing as Santa and hanging out with the kids over the years to make him happy, and now he's suspected of the slaughter. He and, had an alibi. Yeah, and he hasn't done it in a couple years. So why would he suddenly snap and just? <laughs> I've played, I've played Santa too many years <laughs> for this. Like, they're not his neighbors anymore. It's not that big of a deal. So Christmas Day, they finally sit down, talk to Leticia. They know her daughter is okay, except for this one dude who has to let us know that most of the time when you're shot in the head or the face, the person dies. Like, no shit, dude. <laughs> like, it's usually a pretty fatal wound. That's why it's a big deal when they say somebody got shot in the face. Like, <laughs> I think he might have been a journalist, so he's just trying to be dramatic. It's not like getting shot in, like, the leg or, like, the stomach. Most people get shot in the face or the head dies. I was like, okay. Why do you think people commit suicide by shooting (laughs) themselves in the face? So, Leticia says despite the Santa disguise, she believes the shooter was her ex-brother-in-law, Bruce Pardo. Dun-dun-dun! And I love uh, that they remind us he doesn't have a criminal background. Like, that really means anything. Yeah, like, people don't snap every day. Yeah, I know plenty of scumbags who don't have criminal backgrounds. Yeah, it just like, means they didn't get fucking caught. Yeah, it means nothing. So they go back to the Bruce crime scene and find, find a key fob for a car. So they just walk around the neighborhood until they hear a car beep and find this blue Dodge Caliber. I forgot how ugly those cars are. So bad. It's like these really dumb hearse looking cars i don't know it's like an suv and a hearse combined yeah just made this like monstrosity yeah they're just bad not good so this is the same type of car that, that was we've described seen, yeah. by that neighbor leaving the ortega home 
they take a peep inside the car and find normal things such as a Santa suit, a shit ton of am- ammunition. No yeah. big deal. I keep all that shit in my car all the time. Oh, totally. They pull out the Santa suit to get a gander, which pulls a string on a flare and sets the car on fire. Would a flare really cause an explosion? Like the footage they show, that stock footage? Yeah, it was quite a blast. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I think flares are usually like more docile, aren't they? I can see it starting a fire, but like they show footage of like this car exploding. It's like a fucking pipe bomb went yeah. off. It's like some Mormon shit. So, but there is all that ammunition in the car, so shit's just popping off. They do tell us no one was hurt from the explosion, which confused me based on that explosion footage. Yeah, it was. And so I looked it up, and it was because they used a robot to pull out the suit. Because they figured, oh, there's all the same munition and stuff. There might be a bomb in here. That's pretty smart so thinking. So it was really dramatic. Like, nobody was hurt. Like, yeah, you used a robot. Was the robot okay? Yeah, I want to know about the robot. Like, <laughs> did he get a boo-boo? Like, did they have to, did they have to fix them? Yeah, how do you go about fixing them, or do you just get a new one at a place that repairs them? There has to be, like, a repair shop. God, what was that one movie that we watched where the guy builds the robots, like, after, like, basically, like, a doomsday? And he's, like, building the robot to take care of his dog. God, that was a fucking depressing-ass oh movie. What was that? Oh my god! I have to. Okay, I'll have to think of it after. But like, you have to watch it. it like, I I sobbed. Why do I want to watch that then? Because it's such a touching movie. I watched Sing Again, so I've already had my sob movie this week. I, mean, I don't the, know what it is that the end of that movie just every time makes me cry. I was like, God damn it! If the dog dies in this, I'm gonna fucking kill everyone. <laughs> and then the dog doesn't die, so I, you, you can. I'm be sure like, the dog's dead in real life, though. I'm sorry. It's a newer movie, Heather, okay? <laughs> the dog's not that old. It can't be. It's like a 2020 movie. The dog got COVID and died. I'm sorry. Dogs can't die? <laughs> all right. Just gonna drink some more. All right, all right. Okay. So the car is gone, but they can at least tie it to Bruce and tie it to the Ortega scene. So they take a look at the autopsy. Not to mention Santa suit. They take a look at the autopsy report on Bruce and it tells them a lot they talk about how he had gunshot residue on his hands and he has pretty severe third degree burns all over his hands and arms. they were extensive so clearly this is our shooter and he killed himself there's no second shooter he also has parts of the santa suit melted onto his clothes and skin which Ugh. makes me sick like the pictures, I'm just like, oh, just thinking of like, trying to pull that off of your melted. Oh skin. yeah, like, like it's not, it's like rough enough, like pulling a bandaid off, like oh, that's just right. like every time, melted into your time flesh. I hear about this story, I just think of pulling that Santa suit off, just like slow and just like. <sighs> but they're still curious as to why he would kill himself and not even leave a note. You would think with this whole crime, there would be some type of manifesto or something. They find another vehicle linked to Bruce in Pasadena that's not booby-trapped, but is filled with some surprises. Uh Uh-oh. It's filled with his computer and a bunch of things that would indicate he was going on a road trip to Mexico. There's like a Spanish guidebook. (laughs) (laughs) 
they're curious as to why this car is parked where it is, and they discover it's 500 feet away from the home of Sylvia's divorce attorney. Uh-oh. So clearly he, ha- he had some more devious plans in mind. They talk to the attorney and learn that Bruce had a kid that Sylvia knew nothing about until she was looking over his tax returns and saw that he claimed the kid. Which, what the fuck? It reminded me of Love After Lockup, that one kid, one guy, Sean, that keeps lying about how many kids he has, and they couldn't remember, oh couldn't remember how many He couldn't kids remember he how many kids her. he told her, and so he's just like, I don't remember how many I told her, so like, I just gotta like not talk about the number. <laughs> like, like, how the fuck do you have a kid you don't even tell your wife about, but you think you could just write that kid off as a de- dependent and get that tax break? Like, you aren't raising that kid. Why the fuck are you trying to, like, write him off on taxes? He also didn't pay any child support either. Which is even more fucked up. And when we hear about what he did to the kid. Yeah, so it's like, fuck you, dude. I don't know how it works in California, but my ex tried to do that in Texas, and he got caught, and they gave that money to me. Yeah, as it should be. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you find out that when the kid was about a year and a half old, Bruce was supposed to be watching the kid, and when the girlfriend got home, Bruce is camped out in front of the TV, and the kid was in the pool. Yeah. And not, like, just, like, happy, like, floating around. No, 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 no. No, the kid was fucking half dead. Yes. Uh, The child survived, which is crazy, but he was left with lifelong damage to his brain and had to use a wheelchair. What does he do? Oh, yeah, he just leaves. Yeah. Just bails. Yeah, never talks to him again. So Bruce, total piece of shit, doesn't acknowledge this kid who was injured because of him. Yeah, he literally, like, almost killed this child and doesn't pay child support, doesn't, like, communicate with, like, just, like, completely. Doesn't even tell his wife that doesn't, he has a yeah, kid. Yeah, just, like, bails out and but thinks it's, like, no breaks. big deal. I'm going to get the tax breaks. No big deal. Like, I have this kid. Like, I would have fucking left his ass, too. I probably would have fucking killed him. Like, how, like, it's one thing to be heartless and, you know, not acknowledge, or, like, not being a, a part of your child's life. It's another thing to, like, disable that child for life and then, like, leave that all on the mother and not even acknowledge it to your new wife. Like, yeah. how do you just pretend that you never had a child? Yeah. So, again, just not because you guy. don't have a criminal background, it means shit. Yeah. Still a shitty guy. So, yeah, Sylvia finds out Bruce has a kid that he doesn't even acknowledge after letting this kid drown, and that's definitely the last straw for her, and she divorces him. And the cops also discover Bruce was fired from his current job for fraudulently billing clients for hours he didn't work. Not a good guy. Yeah, so thief and shit dad and husband, but it's definitely a motive for the Ortega murders. They get a search warrant on Bruce's house and basically find the whole plan on his computer. They, which, they said the computer was in the car, but then they talked about getting a search warrant for the house, so I don't know. I was confused by that. Like, did he take it with uh, I would imagine he'd take it with him. Like, why would you leave your whole plan, like, at the home computer? Yeah, I was confused by it. Um, They also discover a little workshop in this small building out back. They refer to it almost like a studio apartment, which I was like, if you need money, just rent that out. Yeah. There's bomb-making tools, and they're able to figure out what started the fire. Bruce basically made a flamethrower. Obviously, it wasn't a great flamethrower, but that's still absolutely insane. 
Yeah, like just the logic behind this, there was yeah. none. Like, so the one kid they're interviewing, Sal, is just heartbreaking. He said his only wish is that he hadn't run out of the house, but would have tried to stop Bruce, which. Dude, you have to know you couldn't do anything. No, you did what you could. Like, saving yourself and being able to, you know, testify and... Like, tell your story. Here's what happened. Yeah, it's a grown man that has guns and plenty of ammunition. And yeah. And clearly like, has no problem shooting a child in the face. Like... Literally a child. Like, yeah. you... Yeah. And it, I just... It was so sad how they kind of lingered on that whole, like, as he's, like, breaking down about how, like, he regrets jumping out the window and saving himself and just, I mean, which I think a lot of people have, like, survival guilt and it's a common thing, but I just, he did what he could. Yeah. Uh, So the plan was for Bruce to dress up as Santa and show up late because he knows from firsthand experience that's what the family does every year. Which is fucked up. Yeah. I can't imagine he was like a super involved part of Christmas every year. No, I feel like he was dragged along. Yeah, and like nobody wanted him there and he was just kind of like a pain in the side. That's what I'm saying. This should have been like more than one episode. Like, Yeah, I just... They could have dived deeper. I feel like there could be a whole documentary just on this. Yeah. I wonder if there's been a... uh... Dateline. Yeah, I was about to say. We're gonna have to I want to hear this. Keith Morrison talk to this guy. Tar, talk about this guy being a piece of shit. Uh, so he wheels in a flamethrower disguised as a present. And once the girl opens the door, he just starts shooting everyone. Once that's done, he starts with the flamethrower and somehow fucks up and sets himself on fire. I guess he sprayed some of the accelerant over a candle. Well, they were saying that he didn't expect for there to be an open flame. And so when he... it was a candle, which is hilarious. Or like a fireplace or something. Like, he just, like, went in expecting it to be, like, no big deal. He's going to start the fire. But, oh, no, there's already a fire somewhere in the house. So he did technically start the fire. He did not shoot the deputy. (laughs) So he's fucked up. And gets into his car to flee. So since he's messed up, instead of heading to his next stop, which would have been the attorney's home. He's feeling some pain. He heads to his brother and kills himself. They said like 40% of his left arm. He was pretty maimed. Like he would not have. melted. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, they said he was like in some pretty fucking horrific pain. So that's the one good good thing about this is he's in a shit ton of pain. And the pain might have been why it took more than one shot. They're not really sure. Uh, they also don't mention that the police found $17,000 in cash cling-wrapped on his legs. I wish that had melted to him. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so he was clearly planning to flee. But... Which, again, like, he, like, I know I read in one of the stories that they, he was, like, upset because, like, she took him to the cleaners or some shit like that. Yeah. Which, like, what the fuck ever, like. Well, she got $10,000 out of the divorce and then she was getting spousal support, which ended when he got fired for stealing. Yeah, like, he had seven. He had a great job. He, money strapped to his body. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not walking around with that kind of shit, like. Like, how much could she have, like, done damage to your life? Like, he was just fucking, like, 
psycho and bitter and just a yeah. fucked up individual. Like, <sighs> but that's the end of the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just get so mad. I know, because he's such an asshole. He really is. He's like a real piece of shit. Yeah. And they like, and I and I and I don't like the fact that they kind of made him seem like he was like a nice, decent guy yeah, that's through what the I'm whole. Saying. Like they made it him or her seem like the bad person that he was lazy after getting knee surgery. It's like no, he was a piece of shit. He hid an entire fucking child from her. Well, he married this woman and then expects her to pay for her own kids that are living with him. Yeah. Like, he- you don't marry someone with three children if you don't plan to be a part of those children's lives. Well, he's not even a part of the one kid he has. So. Which, I mean, I I am proud of her for, like, being like, fuck you, you're a piece of shit, I'm gonna leave. Yeah. I hate that it ended in the way that it did. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a huge thing, like, people don't realize is, like, when you're leaving and right after you've left is, like, the most dangerous time oh, yeah. for, like you know battered and abused women and i mean they didn't really talk about like him being abusive other than like financial abuse but like you can you never know like it comes out of nowhere he seemed like a not psychotic man until no he was this guy with a college degree working at these like amazing places yeah until he snapped and he fucking killed him just like absolutely out of nowhere he shot a fucking eight-year-old in the face I have an eight-year-old, and I can tell you, like, looking at her cute little face. I mean, sometimes you want to slap her, but. I mean. <laughs> you don't even do that. I call her a bitch behind her back. Because <laughs> she is sometimes. But I could never even, like, I can't even bring myself to, like, hit her. Like, <laughs> I haven't spanked her ever. Like, because I just, she's just so damn cute. How do you, on Christmas, how, as a Santa. <laughs> You're dressed as Santa. How do you shoot an eight-year-old in the face? Like, I just, I can't. I can't fathom it. But he doesn't have a criminal background. He doesn't have a heart either. (laughs) The man does not have a heart. Like, I, that man is in hell. Fuck you, Bruce. Seriously. Glad you were in pain in those last minutes of your life. I'm glad that your flamethrower ruined your plans and you didn't get to go on and live some fantastic life in Mexico living it up on the beach like i'm glad that your fucking skin got burnt and melted and you died because you were a fucking coward so merry christmas happy new year (laughs) uh this will be the last episode of the year because we're taking off next week which we've been very consistent with episodes we really have i'm really proud of us go us we need a break we got kids just need a week to just shut our brains off not think about murder Mm -hmm. murdering our kids (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it is holiday, and there is no school, so no promises. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next year. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisteria. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.